Let's go! Who's up next? What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special collaboration between the Extra Mile and the Xbox Empire. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Turford, alongside the PSVG master, Donnie Reese. Donnie, thank you so much for joining me today. Greetings, Kooplings. What's going on, Ryan? I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm happy you're here. I, I, this is actually really exciting. Uh, we're doing this awesome collaboration between our two shows because we have an awesome game that we're actually reviewing. Mm-hmm. Tell Me Why from Don't Nod Studios, published by, by Microsoft Game Studios, uh, available right now with episode one. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, episode two might be out, yep. for all we know. Um, really exciting, though, of course, that from the second I knew that this game was coming, there was one person I knew I had to have on this review with me, and that's Donnie, because Donnie, you're probably one of the biggest Life is Strange fans that I know in real life. Like, I don't really know too many other people who play the Life is Strange games, and you're like a, a super fan, just like I am. So uh, tell me about your experience with the Don't Nod game. Don't you get excited when you find somebody else that also likes them? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, you're one of the first. I didn't. And it's funny now that I'm in the PSVG Discord and I see other people mm-hmm. who are also excited about it. Um, whereas that's just never been my experience because I, I had been on not one, but two different uh, podcasts as a host. And neither one of my podcast co hosts was excited about Don't Not. So. I feel like I got teased um, for about two years for liking uh, Life is Strange and always being excited for these games and always talking about them. I'd bring them up in Game of the Year conversations. And I'm always getting like this side eye out of the corner <laughs> of my eye. Um, but yes, over the years, I'm happy that uh, by by proclaiming my love for these types of games, I have uh, we've gathered a few people. We have a handful of folks in PSVG Discord, and we have our own little spoilers chat where we we talk about these things as they come out in these episodic things, and we ask each other questions. We share things about the songs and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, my history with Don't Nod, um, <clears throat> it start it really started with Life is Strange. Um, I never played Remember Me. I did play Vampire. I didn't know who they were when I played Vampire. I just didn't like Vampire, <laughs> so I stopped playing it. Um, it wasn't until Life is Strange and I was like, oh my God, like this game, especially the first Life is Strange, the whole mystery abuse type, you know, s- stuff that's woven in there. One, it's, it's a, it's a topic. It's probably even taboo for, for like games to go there. Games don't really <laughs> go there. I think with this generation, we see more examples of people trying to tell more complex stories, but I give Don't Not a lot of credit. I think they really paved the way in that regard. Um, tell me, tell me why being yet another example. My wife always got really interested in, in these games with me. And as I was playing, she would get invested in watching me play and even telling me what answers I should give to other relationships in the thing. And, um, yeah. And in a way that I think, uh, Telltale Games never did, you know, and Telltale Games have a great story. The first one is, is tremendous. Uh, I always love that one. It's, It's kind of on my pedestal of games, but, that said, it's it's very just driven on these characters and how they interact with each other. I don't know how much, um, you know, how progressive their stories are, like how far they're taking. I don't think they're really there. It's, you know, it's very much the story that's well, been part of that, before. too, just is with Telltale in particular, they have to always work within the framework of that license and they can't really breach themes that sure. are taboo for that license to tackle. I mean, the, the the Walking Dead in particular with season one, I think, tackles some actually pretty heavy themes, but also 
they were themes that were reminiscent to what you would see in the Walking Dead comic yep. book. Yep. Whereas I do think they moved away from a lot of the stuff with with stuff like Batman or The Wolf Among Us. Um, they did do some; it, it did have some interesting ideas with some of those licenses, but it wasn't like it wasn't like the uh, what Don't Nod does with either Life is Strange or Tell Me Why or even um, something like Vampire, which. Again, I know you weren't a big fan of, but what I liked about Vampire was it was very different from your typical vampire vampire story because it wasn't glorifying the fact that you were a vampire. It was all about um, what like the negative sides of being a vampire and, and basically someone becoming a vampire who didn't even want that. That was basically forced onto him. Yep. Um, so it was a, a really interesting vampire story from that perspective. But obviously, if you're not into vampires, I mean, you're not going to be interested in a game like Vampire. Yeah, that always gets people because I love horror movies, but vampires have just never really been my 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 th- my thing. Um, so you're, yeah, you're sort of like me with pirates because I hate pirates in the same way, and people can't understand why I hate pirates. <laughs> um, so Life is Strange, loved Life is Strange before the storm is actually my favorite of the Life is Strange trilogy. And um, and then Life is Strange 2, which we played last year and, and you know, it took a long time to come out. But um, and they met a lot of heavy resistance, actually, moving away from Max and Chloe and Rachel. And I understand why I, I agree. I think they're beloved characters. But I think if you if you play Life is Strange 2, I think you just add new favorite characters to the mix. Um, or at least I did. I, I, I thought that they were just as fantastic. So I was happy to do that. So, yeah, when Xbox announced that they had an exclusive game coming to game pass from don't nod yeah. i think i lost my stuff on on stream i kind of lost it like, i remember we were streaming live and nathan was like oh my god <laughs> because awesome. he knew he knew like everybody else was looking for you know the new action open world shooter rpg and i was like oh or like my the god, new game from rare and stuff like that yeah <laughs> it's, yes yeah uh, so yeah i was jumping at the bit and uh, so excited that i could review it um what about yeah, you it, how's your uh life so funny enough not history Funny enough, you brought up that XO19 event because I was uh, on a post show with uh, Sean and Dapper Tux and Chris Johnson, and they were both. We were both all going around the table asking like, "What were our most anticipated games from that event?" And I said, "Tell me why." And they all were like, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> why would you say that?" I think I they couldn't the believe one. that that was a thing because just because again, I'd been such a big Donut fan for a long time, actually. All the way going back to Remember Me. Remember Me was a game that came out at the end of the, the 360 generation. It was actually one of the games that kind of overlapped with the Xbox One and PS4 generation. And um, I remember from the very first trailer from the game, I'm like, this tr- this story seems really interesting. It's about this girl in the future who like loses her memories and she kind of has to get them back. But uh, there's some memories that she just just it's probably a good idea that she doesn't remember because she's putting herself in danger learning more about her her past life and i thought that was a really interesting uh sci-fi story and a lot of people didn't really like the the combat in that game myself included i thought it was okay but for the most part once you got past the first couple hours it kind of graded on me and i didn't really love the gameplay in that game and that was kind of vampires thing too right yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the so, story in that game really stuck with me. And I really liked the story in that game. So I, it, as soon as they announced Life is Strange, I'm like, okay, this is this is more my jam from them. And this is something to be very excited about because I knew they were great storytellers from Remember Me, but I knew that they weren't so much, uh, they weren't so good at the action part. So when they were announcing a game that wasn't having the uh, the focus on the action, that's when I got super excited for Life is Strange. And uh, I, I was like really interested to see what they could do with this like coming of age teen drama that, that was also a mystery, although we didn't know too much about the mystery 
um, going into it, we knew about the, the 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 time powers for the most part, but yep. we didn't really know too much about the game's story going into it. But as from the the first trailer, I was all in on Life is Strange. I was so excited for it. It was my favorite game of 2015. It's still one of my favorite games of the generation. And I know you, your favorite game is Before the Storm. Mine in the Life is Strange games is still the original Life is Strange. I do think the, the mechanically, um, I think that Before the Storm works a little bit better. And I like that Before the Storm is much more rooted in reality. Yeah. But I just love the story and the characters more in the first game. And there are some emotional elements that that resonate more with me as an individual uh, because of my own life experiences um, with the original Life is Strange. And that's why it hit a little bit closer to home for me more than before the storm did. But I don't think that you can, I think they're, they're like one A and one B. I don't think really hmm. one is really better than the other for me personally, at least that's just and it the way I look cool, at it. I mean, you could even see a world where you play them as one game, you know, like they could yeah. have released the whole thing as one game, but. Um, oh, absolutely. I think actually I said this uh, on, on my old podcast when uh, before the storm came out and when I f- was first playing it, like, I think that that's probably like, one of the best examples of a good prequel out of any out of any medium because it sets up the story so well without uh while also playing with your expectations like i honestly think if a new person was going to play life is strange now i might actually recommend that they start with before the storm and then play life is Strange. i always do yeah um because i think the story sets it up in such a natural way that it doesn't really feel forced and like it doesn't feel like don't not forced a bunch of moments in there um, to basically make the story connect with each other. Um, and at the same time, it, it, it does ruin some of the bigger twists in life is strange itself. But I do think that ultimately playing life is strange uh, before the storm is probably the way to go. If you're going to play it first and then life is strange too. Uh, I really liked as well. Um, but I kind of waited for it all to come out because it was so long between each episode um, that I decided just to like once episode one finished, I was like, okay, I could wait three or four months and then play the next episode or I can just wait. And I decided to actually just wait until it fully came out on game pass before I jumped into life is strange Two. but I loved what I played. I, I loved life is strange Two as well. I mean, I liked that it was a much different take um, and explored and explored some of the same themes from the original life is strange and before the storm, but it was its own different animal. Like it almost felt like it's like a different franchise in general. Um, but I still really liked life is strange Two a lot. And uh, yeah, as soon as from the jump from tell me why being announced, like I was, super hyped for this game and on board. And I love that this is exclusive to Xbox as well. Um, it's a big way win for game pass in particular. And I think that this is the, the perfect type of game to be on game pass. So it this is. segues nicely into things. So Donnie, before we get into that, our deep dive on things our spoiler free deep dive on things, uh, real quick surface level impressions. Um, overall, what, what, what's your, uh, surface level take on tell me why. And, and what do you think about it? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great game. Um, I gave a little kind of written synopsis on Twitter the day that it released for the first one. I gave a score of 85 out of 100 or 8 out of 10, however you want to break that down. I'm not really into scores. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a great release. I have some issues, I think, with it that I think that hold it back from, um, for example, like it's not my favorite Don't Nod game, um, <laughs> which is not to say it's bad. It's just trying to put it in perspective, you know, to how I feel about it overall. Um, I still, I think I like... I think I like all of the Life is Strange games like more than this one, I think, if I had to like rank them. Okay. Um, but it's still a Life is Strange game, right? Even though it's called Tell Me Why, it's still it's still in the mix. <laughs> like I don't want to take anything away from it. Like I said, 
it's great. I had a great time playing it. Um, there's just a few uh, small narrative things and then maybe like some some gameplay things that I think uh, you could come away with it. But um, without judging it on what it's not, I mean, based on what it is, if you like Life is Strange, there's a lot to like here. I imagine you're going to you're absolutely going to love, you know, meeting um, Allison and Tyler and, and going on this adventure. It feels very intimate in in a, in a way that um, I don't think the other games always feel. And uh, mm-hmm. I love um, them, like just the whole narrative of going back home and kind of going through things and taking old memories that maybe you've forgotten and putting them in context with where you are. That's kind of a, a cool feeling that I think everybody has, right? Like that's not specific to one person. I think everybody has either gone through a loss or have moved or something like everybody has found themselves in that situation where they're looking at old pictures or they're going through old books or they're picking up old toys and they're like, Oh yeah. And a lot of this game is kind of built on that. And I think that's cool. I think that's something that everybody can get invested in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, my, my thoughts echoes yours. I do think in hindsight, because it's been a little while, it's been almost a week now since, since I finished the game. And I would say when I first finished playing it, basically when I first finished episode three, I said to myself that I thought that it was my favorite story from, from don't nod games. But now that I've had a little bit of time to process that, I do think that it's probably uh, up there with Life is Strange, the original, and Before the Storm for me. I liked it more, actually, than Life is Strange 2. Um, but I think that, again, this is the, the type of thing that, um, as, as myself, as the player, um, from my own personal experiences, I, I just hit, a lot of the, the story beats in this game hit with me more than the Life is Strange 2 beats did. Sure, and, I, sure. and I think that's just why I personally... Uh, throw it over there, but it's hard for me to, to put it over the original Life is Strange or Before the Storm, uh, especially because I love those games so much. Yeah, um, and maybe, and I think maybe I just need more time to process it. But yeah, overall, I think that this is a uh, a must play for Don't Nod fans. I think it's an, an awesome game. It's I also really like too that it is a smaller story, a more condensed story. It's not over the course of five episodes. I like that it's over three episodes. Um, you could binge just in, in, in a day if you wanted to. I don't recommend doing that, by the way. I actually recommend kind of pacing yourself, even just putting a day between ep- each episode, I think, is probably the, the way to I was to just about it. to go there, because I, I know Sean on, on the latest Xbox drive was talking about that, and I'm really happy that they're putting a week between the episodes. And I know some people will wait to play them all together, and I understand that. And um, But I think taking a moment and reflecting off what you've played and really thinking about it as opposed to just keep going and making new memories, I <laughs> think will, um, I think improve, improves the game. Um, I myself played it over four days, so right. I didn't binge the whole thing either. Yeah. Like I, I did the same thing where I basically played episode one and then waited a day and then episode two waited yeah. a day and then episode three. And I think that was what worked best for me. Um, and, uh, especially when all the episodes are out, like, I think that'll be the type of question that I think a lot of people are going to be asking. So that's why I wanted to throw it out here kind of in the beginning of the show before we went much further, um, with the discussion. So yeah, ultimately I, I love the game a lot and uh, I'm so excited to hear what people think about the, the other two episodes as well. Like that chatter is going to be really interesting to see. So I'm, I'm really excited to see more, but let's dive into the story a little bit. Now, obviously I did preface that this is a spoiler free discussion. That being said, in order to set up the story, I have to talk about it at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you've been avoiding all of the press cycle or anything like that, um, you kind of know our thoughts already on the overall game. So you can kind of just stop listening to this now and then come back if you don't feel comfortable listening to us set up the story and talk about it at least a little bit. Um, but for the most part, we're going to try it and stay out of 
pretty much any of the big spoilers or anything like that we're to basically tell you it's set up the story and stuff like that so just keep all that in mind i wanted to throw that out there since this is such a narrative heavy game it's obviously to have a little context there before we start the discussion so quick story synopsis on this game uh you play as two twins uh tyler and uh, allison and basically um, they haven't seen each other for 10 years after uh, Tyler goes to juvie after killing their mother in self-defense after this incident happens um, at, when they were kids back in 2005. It takes place in 2015 and essentially they reunite as uh, Tyler is basically being released and they go to their childhood home in Dallas Crossing, which is basically a fictional small town in Alaska. It's got like a hundred people in it or something like that. I don't, I don't think they give an exact population, but it just that's just what it feels like. There's only like one store in town. So that's, it's a, a very small town. And uh, they unravel a mystery along the way because they find some things in the house that point to the idea that maybe not all the events from when they were kids were exactly as they seem. So basically they use some supernatural elements to kind of piece together the mystery as to what actually happened. So overall, the, with the story itself, um, I kind of got a little bit of your read on this so already, Donnie, but but what do you think about the overall narrative in this game and, and the mystery itself? Oh, I think I, th I think it's great. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's it's got uh, it's got some twists, um, but but it's a very linear story. You know, like they're very <laughs> deliberately telling you kind of the story you want. Um, you can change some of the outcomes, but I think most people's journeys are all going to be similar, the same. You're going you're all going to kind of go on the same journey um, with some minor modifications. So it's not like Life is Strange too, where it can go on very yeah. very differing paths. I, I don't think that's the case here. Um, and I and I like both. I like either or. Like those things never really matter to me either way. I'm not one of those players that prefers one or the other. I'm just like whatever they want to do. You know, I'm here <laughs> for it. So yeah, and that, this was no different. I really enjoyed it. Um, I had I had a couple a couple narrative things that we'll talk about later that I think um, I don't I don't even really know how to process them. Like they make me question things and and, and all that type of stuff. So in that regard, um, I had a few issues, but it doesn't really take away from the overarching branch of the story. It's very touching one yeah definitely and and uh it, there were certain moments that definitely hit me in the feels for sure I, yeah. I actually mentioned this to sean kind of off air but there were like multiple times throughout the story where i was in tears and and part of that just has to do with personal experiences i had growing up combined with what's what's happening in the story and the story itself was a really powerful and emotional one and it, it you really go through a lot with the twins and uh yeah i really like the story overall the mystery itself ha was hit or miss I, I liked the mystery that they presented and um some of the ideas and, and uh things that you had to look into um i will say that some of the bigger moments had some predictability to them and yeah. and there were some things i definitely saw uh, for coming a mile away but there was other stuff that I actually became pretty surprised at, and it, it kind of hit uh, hit me with a gut munch a couple times uh, with some of the story beats. And uh, yeah, just I really liked that aspect of of the game itself, and I liked that they didn't really try the and do this like huge overarching narrative this time around. It was just so, as you said before, Donnie, just so much more of an intimate experience yeah. uh, this time around. And, and I liked that they did a different approach because a lot with the Life and Strange games. All of them have had that that overarching feel, except for Before the Storm, which I think was also reminiscent of this, where it was yeah. more of an intimate story yep. about Chloe. But the but Life is Strange and Life is Strange Two definitely were like the, about the big overarching plot. Um, so you did lose a lot of the the little details in there. Versus this game, I I think that 
I liked the the different approach to it, and it felt different than those games, and and that's what I liked about it. Um, so, what do you think about the twins themselves, Allison and Tyler? Um, obviously, there was a, a bunch of the the marketing talking about Tyler as a character, um, which we'll get into. But what do you think about the the twins overall and their relationship, Donnie? Oh yeah, no, Tyler is great, and yeah, you're. I think you're correct to point out. I mean, obviously, Tyler's transgender character. And mm-hmm. from the beginning, that's been so much of what this game has been centered on, at least in discussion and in marketing and in media and press. That's what everybody's wanted to know. You know, mm-hmm. it, it seems like it's it's completely overshadowed and overtaken the entire game. And I was really excited to see that. I don't think they let that they didn't let that be just the narrative. Right. And I think it's probably my my biggest takeaway or my biggest pro for this game overall is that yeah, Tyler's transgendered, but. Tyler's still Tyler. Yeah. He's still part of the cast. He's an equal part of the cast. He's still a human and they treat him as such. And um, yeah, they talk about, you know, the realities of being a transgender person. They weave some of that into there, but it's not the clear cut focus. You know, they don't, they don't beat you over the head with any of it. It's not like a giant political <laughs> statement or anything like that, because it's not the point that that's <laughs> not Tyler's role. It's not, you know, the service of Tyler in this game. Um, Tyler's first and foremost is uh, is a brother and, and a confidant and you know and a partner and and in that regard, I really like that. I think, like I said already, more than it, almost anything else was it was refreshing to see because you know they could have, you yeah, know, they very well could have just turned it into a stereotype thing, and they could have had some you know anti trans person that just hated him, and they could have just told that story. Or, I mean, the whole storyline could have revolved around that aspect of Tyler, 100%. but it doesn't. It, it, doesn't. It, it very much plays like like there are a couple moments where that comes up, mm-hmm. as, as you would expect, because it is a game grounded in reality. Of course. But at the same time, it's not the overarching narrative. It has nothing to do with the mystery itself, which I think was the, the one of the best parts about it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think that they handled it in a very tasteful way and and it didn't ham your hammer it over that you over the head with it especially after some of the moments we saw in life is strange 2 which i liked that they tackled some really um different subject matter in that game and, and some uh difficult to talk about stuff in in life is strange 2 but sometimes it felt a little kind of heavy-handed it was and kind forced. of yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. It, that was my biggest con with Life is Strange 2. A lot of their political statements that they're trying to make in that game were forced. Um, mm-hmm. They also didn't go as far as showing like the other side of that, which I also like. It's one thing to be forced, but when you force one way, well, mm-hmm. show like, well, then force kind of the other view as well. I don't know. Like, I always feel a little, uh, I always feel like it's a little cheap. I like, I don't think, I don't think reality is that way. Um, mm-hmm. I know in media, especially like in politics, like, they can set up this, you know, us versus them, you know, these two sides and they, they can make it seem bigger than that. But I don't think, you know, people, when you actually sit down and talk to people, if you're experiencing a story with that, people, you know, can come together in, in teams and churches and groups and, and all kinds of stuff of all kinds of different views without coming to blows over every single thing or without being like, um, you know, like a character for your platform. You know, not everybody's as simple as like a bumper sticker. You know, there's there's more to it than that. We're all people and you know, we all still have that part of it. And I think Tell Me Why shows that more than anything else. It's honestly it's almost like um respect for their restraint. Cause uh because they've shown the ability to do it in the past, my biggest fear coming into this game was that they would do it again. Mm-hmm. Um and to be honest with you, I just think that if I think if they did it, it would have been a disservice to the character. 
Right. You know, because you're not really like you're you're basically prove you're basically just putting on a pedestal the challenges that a transgender person might come through. And I think most people that are playing this game, most people I'm going to speak for everybody. Obviously, there's people in the world, that, you know, differing opinions, but most people are aware of those challenges, you know, mm-hmm. so like beating us over the head with them. It's like, yeah, but how does that how do the challenges of being transgendered actually affect you as a person? And 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 like, I think Tyler, Tyler's got to be such a great representative um, for that community because, because yeah. it's, again, because it's not focused, just that, that doesn't make the person's identity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, yeah there's so they, much more yeah. the fact that he's transgendered. He's, you know, there's so many more things to the character than that. Yeah. I think Tyler is really just the, the, the prime example of how to do this correctly. Yes. Where it's not yep. over the top. It's not, uh, but uh, EA coming out and saying, "Oh, we've got the uh, Dragon Age, the Dragon Age's first gay character, and it making it this whole thing, and then, um, yep. and then in the game itself, really trying to like be, beat you over the head with yeah, that. It's not We're, a device just for transgendered reality or equality. It's yeah, yeah. It's 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 basically just saying like, hey, you know, like it's again, it's just I, we've already said it. I keep feel like I keep walking over. I feel like I have something I'm trying to say, but I can't find the word." Um, mm-hmm. But but I just I loved it because I came away loving both Tyler and Allison, just like I usually do with all these games. Like you kind of fall for these characters because they become so developed. And that's mm-hmm. the problem. Or I mean, that's the issue is if you if you tie a character to a stereotype, then you can't develop the character. And yeah. that's the the thing that I love most about Tyler is Tyler is very complex and he's got views and opinions and, and, and he's got love interests. And there's so many things to Tyler beyond that. Which I yeah. really appreciated that because um, I wouldn't speak for folks, but you know, like uh, over at PSVG, we have transgender person on the team. Um, she's so much more than that. Like it's funny because uh, these things come up, and and I often think about her. But day to day life, I don't think about that at all. I've known I've known Haley for years now. It's just like yeah, that's she's just Haley. Tyler's just Tyler, you know. Exactly, and and I love that there is so much depth to Tyler as a character, but also Allison as well. Uh, she's also a really interesting character as well. Like I, I almost like with, with so much focus being on Tyler from, from uh, the onset of him being a transgender character, I was a little bit worried going into the experience that maybe Allison might actually get lost in the shuffle of, of especially if the focus just focused so much on Tyler being a transgender person. But since they treated that with care, Allison didn't get lost in the shuffle and she's a really interesting character as well with her own flaws and experiences as well. And she's a very different character from Tyler. Like even though they're twins, they're two very different people and they really felt like real siblings. I mean, I don't have, I don't have twin brothers, but I do have an older and younger brother and my older brother and I are only separated by like 10 or 11 months. So um, we, we don't feel like twins. Sometimes we don't have the twin uh, telepathic thing going on, but at the same time, (laughs) it really felt like their relationship was kind of like the relationship I have with my older brother. So I, I it really felt real. It felt like a real sibling relationship yeah, and it felt familiar. And that, yeah, exactly. And that's what I, I appreciated about their relationship. And uh, it's interesting how they use some of the supernatural elements because all of that stuff ties into the, the twin thing about uh, obviously there are myths out there that twins are telepathically yeah. linked to each other. Um, and in this game, they totally play that up because you have the ability to converse telepathically with your, your other twin and you go between Tyler and Allison throughout the story. You're not picking one or the other certain chapters you play as Tyler and certain chapters you play as Allison. And I like that they did that as well, but I like that the telepathic nature of it. Like I thought that was pretty cool. And also they have the shared memories with each yeah. other and that's how you solve 
a lot of the game's puzzles or learn more about the the, the world. And uh, yeah, I loved how it played into like the twin metho- mythos. I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, another element that I liked in the game as well, and this has always been a big part of, of Don't Nod's games, is the location. And in this game, we've got Delos Crossing, which, as I mentioned, is like a small fictional Alaskan town. It's got maybe 100 people in it. But again, they don't really say population, but that's just what it feels like from uh, the from what they portray. And uh, what do you think about Dallas Crossing, both as a character, but also did you, uh, some of the characters in Dallas Crossing? Did you find them interesting or unique, or, or what do you think? I think Dallas Crossing was a, a great backdrop. They often pick really good backdrops for their games and, and settings. And one of the things that I think Don't Nod does better than a lot of other developers, or at least one of the things that I find most enjoyable about their games, is is yeah, they kind of set up their their backdrops to be characters, and I think. They do so because they give it so much meaning in life beyond it just being a place that you walk around in. Um, <laughs> you get to learn things that don't even matter to the story. But, you know, like you you go to the, um, you know, to the to the little quick mart or whatever that, that that's there. And and there's stuff on the billboards about, you know, plays and, and people on the loose and and, you know, church group meetups on Wednesdays. And these are things that they always do. I know life is strange. Uh, I always feel that way um, in every game they've come through. It's, it's like they give if you choose to read it. Obviously, you've got to go around and click on all the buttons. But if you choose to read it, yep. they give the, the environment so much meaning that it feels visited. Like, that's the thing that I often come away from is like, I feel like I've been there. Like, I get it. Um, and I think that's why where, you know, you're, you're really bringing it to life. You go out to, um, you know, they go out to the cemetery and they go out to like an overlook and things like that. And you see signs like, you know, like, beware of bears. And you see, you know, yeah. And, and then just obviously visually, it was just, it was pretty stunning. Uh, I think a big, yep. big step up from the Life is Strange game. So if you've ever played a Life is Strange game or, you, or you've seen a Life is Strange game and, and it didn't do it for you, um, don't just write off, tell me why, because you hear you know people talking about Life is Strange with it. Visually, very different looking games, very different looking. Uh, yep. Tell me why is way more realistic, I think, in, in style. Um, than the Life is Strange games ever were. And I think the environment shows that more than anything else. You see, you know, crushed ice on the ground and like slushed up stuff as you're walking around. You know, the snow moves, all the materials look real. You know, they don't look, um, Life is Strange has always looked kind of stylish or almost kind of cartoony. Yeah, it always had this like artistic like yeah. look over it. It's very cel shaded versus this. It's like but much more realistically. It's It looks much more like a t- contemporary game and less like a don't not game. Yep. Even more so than something like uh, Vampire, which I think Vampire, they were going for th- that realistic style as well. Um, but this is just a step above that even. like, And I mean, obviously, it's a little bit more condensed. It's not an open world game like uh, Vampire is, for example. So it is a little bit easier to do that. But yeah, you, you're right. Like I love all the little elements that that are in the environment itself. And Dallas Crossing is, is uh, such an interesting location. I, one of my favorite things... And I won't go too much into this because it's one of the, the, but one of the best story threads in the game is the the mailbox bandit because yeah. that's totally that's so something you would see in a small town. It's like the, the like someone's going around stealing people's mail and it's like this huge thing and and it it carries throughout the entire game. And I thought that was like super interesting and funny, especially as someone who's lived in a small town um, for I, I lived there during high school and 
uh, just stuff like that, which happened all the time. And like, or I remember a story once in the, 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 our town's newspaper where, uh, some teenagers broke into the local pizzeria, baked themselves three pizzas, and then, and then they just turned the lights off and then left. <laughs> and it was, it was, a, it was a big story for, they that they, the people were off. talking about. The did papers. they put everything back? Yeah, they like did. It was all nice and clean. Yeah. <laughs> The only reason why they knew they broke in was because the the door was unlocked when they came in the next morning and the security cameras showed them. <laughs> but yeah, it's like little so yeah, little stories like that. Like I love like seeing that stuff on the pinup board at uh, at the the convenience store or yeah. seeing stuff like that in the in the cemetery like beware of bears and stuff like that. Like yeah, I love all the nice little touches and um the 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 environment itself tells you as much about the game as you as you want to know if you don't really care about all those little elements and and don't feel visited it's not forced on you yep. i like that um it's it's it does atmospheric storytelling in a very nice way and it, it gives you the player the agency of learning as much or as little as you want to about the game and it and tells you, kind of, you about the people it. like even yeah. overall it gives you a, a, a a glimpse at what life is like in Delos Crossing, what the people that live here are like, you know, the kind of what they go through. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it just adds so much more to those characters. And uh, that's what I've always really appreciated about Don't Know the Game. They've always done that with, with care. Like that's one of the reasons why I love the, the cast of characters in Arcadia Bay in, mm-hmm. in Life is Strange. Like I yep. thought all of them were really fleshed out and, and you got to learn so much about each character. Um, even just the first time you visit Chloe's room, uh, in Life is Strange, you get to learn just so much about Chloe without even talking to her. Um, and I love doing that in this game as well, like um, visiting the police station and then learning about each of the individual uh, police officers just sure. by going and looking at stuff on their desk. And, going through their stuff. Or, yeah, <laughs> like being the nosy person that just picks through all their stuff. <laughs> exactly. Like I thought all that stuff was, was super cool. And I, I loved Dallas Crossing as a character, again, it, it felt like a real location. It felt like a real small town, and it felt lived in, lived in and uh, that's all I can really ask for from this. So did you have a favorite character from from the Dallas Crossing Revisions besides Tyler and uh, Allison? Yeah, I mean, my favorite, and I think it's going to be a lot of people's favorite, because I think this is the, the the purpose of having the character in the game. Is, is, I think it's easily Michael, um, yeah. the confidant, the friend, um, possibly romantic interest. Michael is extremely cool and chill um, to the point where I was, when I was playing, I was actively trying to think if I've ever met anybody as chill as Michael. I don't, I'm not sure a person exists. He reminds me of people that live in Vancouver. Because oh, really? Van- people who live in Vancouver, uh, BC are that chill. Wow. They, yeah. <laughs> I'm always like uh, so high strung or hyper or, you know, like I talk fast and things like that. Like just to, just to be somebody he was like, he deals with He's these like characters at, at heavy moments in the game with just extreme like levity. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, man, you know, it's just, it's very comforting. It's like, man, I wish I had a friend like Michael. Um, somebody was just always that down to earth and, and that calm. Um, but yeah, even outside of that, it's super fun. He has an extremely cool moment with, um, with Tyler at the back of the store. That's very reminiscent of some of the things that you might even do in like a naughty dog game. I've played very similar type experiences. Um, and that's cool. And it brings him to life in, in that way. And, um, there's just, and it's again, I think it's purpose to serve on here. There's really nothing wrong to say about him. Like they don't really give him the opportunity to do bad or to give you an ability to make a snap judgment or anything. So, uh, mm-hmm. Michael's just cool. He's awesome. I think he's going to be everybody's favorite. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, for the most part, I think he's the definitely the most fleshed out of the characters in in the town besides the two main protagonists. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could easily see him be uh, the other people's like pretty much everyone's favorite. Um, and he was probably my favorite character too. But for the sake of injecting another character into the discussion here, I'm, I'm going to say Eddie as well was my second favorite character. Little Eddie, the, the police officer, the moose he uh I mean, of course of, of course i'm gonna like him you just know why because he's a moose right <laughs> uh no so I, I what i liked about eddie was that he basically had this whole character arc to him where you thought one th- i thought one thing about him at the very beginning kind yeah. of where um where allison is talking to tyler on the boat about him but then when you meet eddie and then when you go into the police station you learn go through his stuff you learn so much more about him and about his character and kind of the things that he sacrificed and as well as kind of what he's done for the family without them kind of knowing it like i love all those aspects to that character he's actually a really interesting character um when you learn more about him where in a lot of other games if he he would have just served as the father figure and not had a lot to he would have been a, a very on the surface character but in this you get to learn so much about eddie that that's actually why i really liked him and i thought uh he was a really interesting character to learn about throughout the story and every time i learned more about him i was like this dude's really cool and i like learning more about him and again i just love the way that that don't does their characters in these games again that he he feels like a real character uh yeah. eddie does and uh yeah like and i can imagine too being in the same situations that he's been in like he he doesn't make a lot a lot of uh, easy decisions and he doesn't get away with a lot of stuff and uh he has to live with some of those consequences and uh yeah i thought he was really interesting as well well speaking of consequences that was a nice segue you see what i did there because segues are cool uh choices and consequences is the next topic i wanted to discuss and uh obviously with don't nod games and with telltale games um and games of this ilk uh choice plays a lot into the game's story and we talked a lot of a, a little bit about this already, where in this one it doesn't really factor too much into the plot. Um, but I thought what was interesting about the the choices in this game is that you just don't get nearly as many choices at all in this game versus other Life is Strange games. In fact, um, since playing this, I actually went back just out of curiosity to play Life is Strange just like one of the chapters, uh, just to explore maybe the differences between some of the dialogue that maybe was in the original Life is Strange versus this and how how often choice comes up versus in this game. And I found there's a, you have you're pretty much every second or third sentence you're asked to contribute to the conversation in, in Life is Strange. But in this game, it's not like that at all. Like a lot of um, sometimes scenes will play out and you'll maybe interject with a, a choice or um, something into the conversation maybe once or twice. Yeah, that's it though. Like, I think it's very limited this time around, and and like you mentioned, Donnie, it's they're trying to tell like one specific very linear story. I think this time around, which I think was very different from from their other games. Uh, but what did you think about some of the the consequences themselves in this game? Because there are definitely some consequences and some differences, even if they are are minor. But what do you think about how they implemented them in this game, Donnie? Yeah, no, you're you're spot on, and I think I think you're right to point out that they're probably limiting some of that to kind of keep you in the dark a little bit as as they kind of slowly unravel what's going on because if they open up too much of it it might be more predictable than i think it already kind of is um <clears throat> i really like the choices um that i had i think i remember there's like five or six in every chapter where you can kind of go back at the end and see how your yep. friends voted and stuff like that but they are more intimate lower like meaningful 
type of choices where they're more impacted on like the type of relationships that you have um, with, uh, you know, how people think of you versus you're altering, you know, the, the entire narrative onto a different path or to a different ending. Um, they reminded me very much of like Telltale-esque when you used to make Telltale things and they'd be like, you know, so-and-so remembered that or so-and-so didn't like that you answered this way. That's kind of how I felt like I think the one um, decision that I made is I actually just kind of wrote off a character or not wrote off, but I just kind of put a character in the dark as opposed to showing like thanks or forgetfulness or anything like that. I just was like, nah, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not with this person anymore. And, and that was it. That literally was the decision. I just, and, and I like that, um, you know, in other life is strange games. A lot of it is because of the rewind time me- mechanic and stuff you have. A lot of it, it's like, you'll make a decision thinking it'll turn out one way. And it mm-hmm. turns out the other, and it's kind of like to show you the folly of your ways and all that. This isn't that. Like, I made a decision, and that's exactly what happened. So I yep. felt like, at least in that regard, I had more agency over it versus um, just kind of, you know, in, in other Life is Strange games, I would come up to some of those moments, and I would pause the game, and I would sit there and try to run my head, all right, what are the different outcomes, you know, this A and B path might take me? I didn't really do that with this game. I was like, nope, I don't like this person. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't like this person anymore. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted to have happen. So um, so I liked it. It, it wasn't, um, again, it wasn't like the big the big bad change uh, along the way. And uh, I liked that for once. And that was good. And what I like, too, is that um, with the smaller approach to the choices this time around, they didn't really feel forced or anything like that. Like It felt like there was a reason for doing the choices and, and the consequences did have some meaning. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like the reason you're playing the game or anything yeah. like that. And yep. I kind of like that the smaller approach this time around. Um, and although I will say though that there are, as as you could expect, there's obviously multiple endings, and I think some of the endings are actually pretty different from each other. Not like Life is Strange 2's endings, which are like wildly different, but mm-hmm. you do have some some agency over how the 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 game ends, as well as your like Tyler and Allison's uh, relationships with the other characters. And I do like yep. at least that there's a little bit of that there, and and there it does. Like you said, it, it gives you the player some agency is into deciding kind of the fate uh, of how things are going to end up with, with these characters without disrupting the story in, in too big of a way. Anyway. Yeah, as I say, it's more like where characters will end up and with whom and less of like who lives and dies. It yeah. just doesn't have that kind of weight to it. It's not until dawn. It could be. But it, it's right. Not. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that segues nicely into the gameplay. So let's talk about... First of all, uh, what do you think about the, the interacting with some of the game's memories? Because uh, as I alluded to before when talking about the twins, memories play a big part in this game. Um, basically, you hold down the, the right trigger and in, in the environment, you'll see a, a kind of like almost like translucent uh, models of the characters appear in the environment and you can interact with them. And it plays out a shared memory between the twins and that gives you context in uh, with some of the story as well as helps you solve some of the game's puzzles. So what do you think about the the memories themselves and uh, uh, how much do you think they really added to the story, Donnie? Um, I like them. I thought it was a cool mechanic. It was, it was interesting. Um, this is not a, like it's not a new mechanic. We've done this in games before. Like the Batman games do this when you're trying to solve mysteries and or like the division, like yes. had it all throughout that game. Yep, yep. We've done this, but because of how they made it a part of the narrative and the fact that they they they, they basically use the twins' ability to talk to each other as a way of sharing this memory, it felt new. 
<laughs> but it's like exactly the same thing. Like I've seen it before, but when I was playing it, I think just because how it was presented, it felt new and it felt refreshing. So in that regard, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I also like how they played with the fact that um, when I first started playing the game, you're watching it and you're like, oh, yeah, so this is what happened. But later on, it's more like, what is it? You know, is yeah. the memory like 100% sure? Like, actually, is it? And well, you don't really memory. realize that. It kind of just, yeah, it kind of just builds up and kind of sneaks up on you. And then it kind of makes you question everything. Um, so in that regards, I liked it as well. It wasn't just mechanic to find, you know, the outcome and then move forward. There's a little bit more to it than that. So it has a little extra layer of detail there that um, most games don't. Yeah, like it really felt ingrained in the story, and yeah. I mean they, they've they've done that before with the time mechanic as uh, like almost almost like overpowered as the time mechanic felt. It really felt integral to that story, just like I felt like it. But I felt like the memories this time around felt even more ingrained in the story, and that's what I liked about them. Also, I like too that not all the the memories are uh, required. You can some of them are totally optional. Like there's one out at the convenience store. Like there's a playground in the parking lot, and you can go out there and you can learn more about kind of Tyler and and Allison playing on the playground as kids and uh, uh, rekindling that memory together. But you don't have to do that. That's something that you can go out of your way to go do, and that isn't really central to the plot. And it just gives you more context for those characters, which I really liked. And it kind of brought back memories of me and my my brother going to this like very similar looking playground at a convenience store when we were kids like it was a uh, it was very much a thing that that you used to see a lot of times in small towns like stuff like that so um it brought back some memories for me personally and i like too that the memories are not like all powerful because again they are memories like in real life you know sometimes you remember things wrong or incorrectly or maybe you don't remember all the details and your brain brain sometimes just will fill in the blanks with like uh, misinterpreted information. And that's what I, I liked that it played with your expectations yep. with the memories, because at first you think that um, it makes you think that, Oh, that they're uh, all encompassing and what you're seeing is the reality of what happened. But then they, they really just to uh, give you the option of uh, deciding for yourself, which memories you think are the correct ones and which one you, th which ones do you think are fakes? Like um, I thought all that was cool, especially considering the fact that most of these memories come from when they were kids so obviously after 10 years, a lot of times, uh, especially growing up, you don't remember everything that happened when you were a kid, especially crystal clear like that. So I like that they played with that expectation a bit. And I like too that the, they linked the memories together with the twins themselves, and they both have to kind of focus on these memories together. And they're kind of their shared memories. And uh, it also shows too that Tyler and Allison remember things slightly differently from each other. Yep. And I like that they play that that element plated to it as well. Um, but yeah, all that stuff was was really interesting. And, and segueing from that, the puzzle solving in this game was also super interesting as well. And I loved how some of the memories played in, into that aspect as well. What do you think about the puzzles in this game? Because I think that's the one of the elements that no one's talking about. And I think was actually probably one of the most interesting parts about this game. I think it was my favorite part about the game. And I think it was the biggest leap up, I think, gameplay wise for Don't Nod and their kind of entire series. Um, the puzzles in other games have basically been much simpler and, you know, match this to kind of, and they didn't really have all that much meaning. It just kind of felt like something to do. And mm -hmm. um, not that sometimes this one doesn't, but all of the puzzles in this game, I think maybe except for, like there's definitely a couple that are um, that are not mandatory, like a couple of like mm -hmm. fact-finding things you can just go out of the way if you want to do, um, like achievement-based stuff. But all of the puzzles that you have to do to advance the story are tied into the story. 
Like they're all part of the story. Um, yeah. What you're doing is a part of the story and you need the story to do it. And they have like the book of goblins and they have all these things that, that, that play a part into it and all these clues and everything that you have to know and you have to do. And it's very elaborate and it's, uh, it's ornate and, and it's complex and it makes playing the game when you're not just watching cutscenes and listening to dialogue, it makes playing the game a lot more fun. Um, I think even, I think there'll be some people that if you're not into puzzle solving, like you may not even like it. Like some of them might be a little more obtuse than what you're looking for. Um, they go out of their way to like, you know, try to help you with that. But even then, some of them, you know, are, are pretty complex in what you have to do to actually figure it out. So I thought it was, uh, I thought it was smart. I felt smart when I got, when I did some of them and I thought they were complex and definitely made playing the game more fun. Yeah, definitely. I, I really like the puzzles in this game as well. And, and I don't know if they're my favorite part of the game, but they are one of my favorite things. About this game, and definitely, like you said, the biggest step up from from previous Don't Nod experiences as well. Um, I, again, like I liked how um, you had the Book of Goblins, which is an item that you pick up in the house that you don't really think has much consequence. It's basically this uh, storybook with like uh, tale, like tall tales written by um, their mother, and uh, you think, oh, it's just a, a storybook. I don't know what. Th- I'm sure this has nothing to do with the rest of the game, but it's a huge part of the the overall narrative. And I love how they tied the narrative into the book of goblins, which then tied into the puzzles. Like yep. I thought that that was super deep and interesting. And even and, and I think we talked about this off air as well. But uh, when we both picked up the book of goblins, we uh, since we didn't know what it was for, we, we both just started reading all yeah, the stories. Yeah, started book, reading but, it. Yeah, like I, I think I read the entire thing and then I put it down. I'm like, okay, I'm sure this is a nice thing that's in the game um, to give some context, but it, I'm sure it's not going to come into anything. And then maybe minutes later, you find out it, it ties into a puzzle in, in the same location. And yep. I thought that implementation, implementation was really cool. And uh, I will say that there were some puzzles that I got a little bit frustrated by because I wasn't, Maybe it was just I wasn't putting all the pieces together correctly. Um, Did you get the crowbar? I ch- no, I never used the crowbar. I mean, I picked it up off the ground, but I didn't use the crowbar. No Although, spoilers, folks, but if you don't want to do the puzzle, you can just break it. There was someone on my friends list that used the crowbar, though. So I know someone who played this game actually used the crowbar. But uh, but no, I actually didn't. I, I But I love that there's the op- that option as well. Or there's another one where you're trying to get in a, do- a locked door and you have to solve a puzzle to get in the locked door. And uh, there's the option, number one, to just break down the door if you want to. Right. And that's a mode of choice you can do. Uh, you could also um, ask your sibling for help if you're having trouble with the puzzle, which mm-hmm. I thought was a great accessibility feature that they put just naturally into the game that you wouldn't normally think of. Because again, it's not giving you these like tutorial screens saying, hey, talk to your twin and uh, and they'll tell you how to do this or uh, giving you instructions that way, it's not forcing that tutorial on you, but it gives you the option of having a puzzle tutorial for every single puzzle just by talking to your twin. And then they, they can spell out either, either the entire puzzle for you or just certain elements. And I thought that was really interesting and a, a great way of approaching this type of thing. Like I almost want to see this in like every game going forward with, with puzzles. Um, like I, I like that it's not uh, overhand holdy with some of the puzzles, like, um, it, it, and it really makes you smart, feel smart for figuring some of them out as well, because some of them are actually pretty complicated. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you don't want to deal with all that stuff, or if you're having trouble with one of the puzzles in particular, like if you can't solve it, if something in your brain just isn't processing it, it gives you the the tools to figure it out yourself 
um, in the game. And I thought that implementation was, was actually really great. You know, also, you know, I mentioned earlier, like so much of the story, I, I didn't ever, at the points, I didn't have like the aha moment. You know, I wasn't like overly surprised, but I was mm -hmm. with some of the puzzles. And like the Book of Goblins was a big surprise. Like when I was playing it and when you find out later, I was like, oh, like look at this thing I've had this whole time. And yeah, like it puts it yeah. in a different light. And that foreshadowing is is cool. It's a cool little narrative device that they do. And and how they do it, I won't spoil that, but how they do it kind of magical is kind of cool. Like when you really see it, you're like, oh, wow, this is this is something else, you know? Yeah, it's not just some book. There's a like, there's a specific reason why it's there and stuff like that. And I thought all that stuff was, you know, was in a way fun. that kind of reminds me a little bit about like Edith Finch and how like that house um, kind of tells you a story about everything going. Like I, I definitely had some of those feelings or some it felt similar, um, mm -hmm. you know, in that final chapter. There you go. definitely, definitely. Well, let's segue to something that has been super impressive in all the Dontnod's games. The music, mm -hmm. Donnie, the music in this game is so good. It is. Like, always. I need to go high five or fist bump whoever comes up with the music for these games. Because, yep. man, the, 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 both the, the licensed, like, indie kind of rock tracks and as well as the, um, ambient music that they use are both really incredible. Like, I love the music in this game and it just adds to the, the tone of this game. And, and what do you think about the music, Donnie, overall? Cause I know that you got to gush about it a little Yeah. Bit. It's always my favorite thing. Every time I, I play a Life is Strange or tell me why, every time I play one of these games from Don't Nod, um, typically I find a soundtrack that I love. I absolutely adore. Whoever curates their music is great. Um, chapter three kicks off with a bang with the Dum Dum Girls who I've never heard of. And I immediately went and found them on my phone. I listened to their top 10 songs and I added, I think, half of them to my library. Um, and that is like a thing that I love about these games. Um, uh, I haven't seen the full official like soundtrack yet, um, out in curation at least. Um, but I definitely can't wait to find out more because yeah, I can imagine their games be, is like great. I can imagine there'll be a deluxe edition of the game coming with the soundtrack and yep, stuff like that. Definitely. Which I'm really interested to see that full list of, cause, cause a lot of times too, uh, for those of you all who don't look at the, uh, official soundtracks for the life is strange games in particular, they are also some tracks that don't make the game that they curate for, yep. for life is strange, but make it to the soundtrack, but don't make it in the game. And it's really interesting. There's to usually see. like 10 of them. It's like this yeah. whole separate thing. That's what I'm saying. Like whoever, whoever picks these songs out and curates it, like we should be best friends because they're, um, their, their love of indie coffee house, acoustic, soft grunge, rock, whatever. I totally dig. Like it's totally, it's very chill, but it's punk. <laughs> like it's so hard to, to pinpoint, but whatever it is, they do it better than anybody else. And well, not only that, but the music that they pick as well is also just really fits the themes of yes. the game itself as well. And, and the the song, especially that you mentioned the, the from the Dum Dum Girls, fits just so well in that particular moment that it happens that it just was like just added so much more to that experience than if it just was just a generic music track. Um, and or you're just. A, you're right to pick up, point out the ambient music because so a lot of the gameplay is done with that set in tone. And I feel like every Life is Strange game has that moment where you're either playing a guitar, or you're hanging out in the room, listening to the radio, and, and like you, you get a song moment. Um, and chapter three kind of is that for this, but it, it's different. Like you mentioned, chapter three, when it picks up and kicks off, it, it feels refreshing. It feels like a pace jump. It feels like, and I think it's because they don't use that trick so much in the first two chapters like there's right. music right you hear it in the background or you hear it with the radio or something but it's not the focal point and then chapter three you start chapter three is bang 
here's a song. It's loud. It takes the point. And as you get up and move it around, it's playing. Um, I don't know how to say it, but it really just made me kind of sit up in my chair. You know, I was like, okay, like, here we go. Like we're, we're about to Let's start do doing it. Exactly. And it, and I think that's, I think that's why it's there. It just kind of makes it feel a little bit different. Cause the second chapter um, to say, I mean, to say a negative, I think every telltale game, I mean, telltale, every don't nod game has kind of that chapter that kind of might lull. I think in this <laughs> aspect, I think chapter two is that not that yeah. I would call it lulling. It's just, it's more detailed and it's more finding out, you know, things about it's more sleuthy, you know? So <laughs> it's just kind of, there's not as many big things. You don't have the big production and they just really snap you out of it right in the chapter three. It's like, okay. You've done that. Now you're doing this and they're not the same. And uh, I really appreciate it because, like I said, I, I played chapter two. I waited to the next day. I signed on the next day of the night. And I was kind of in that mode. It's like, OK, I'm going to keep going through the motions, doing everything. And it's like, you're not immediately. You're not doing that. Yep. And uh, I really appreciated that. The music definitely gets you hyped. It gets you it gets you ready for the experience. And even the, the song that plays at the beginning of the game as well, because they have that music moment when when the game first starts as well. I thought that was also really fitting. Like, I love kind of the montage that goes along yep. with that and stuff too. And yeah, like uh, overall, the musical choices in this game are just dynamite. They're chef, chef's kiss to, to uh, whoever came up with the, the music for this game. Uh, well, before we kind of move to our final thoughts, we haven't really talked too much about cons yet, like things that we would love to see improved or um, just any problems we have with the game. So uh, start me off with uh, with something that uh, maybe wasn't uh, perfect in this game, Donnie. Like what you what didn't you like about this? Yeah, I've got I've got a few. Um, most of them are narrative, and that's why I bring them up. I, I do want to talk about one very very small one: is that the game controls when you can run and when you can't. And mm-hmm. I definitely realized when I was in some bigger spaces, like I wanted to move faster. Yeah, you know, I kept. Well, I kept the cemetery was the one place where I was like, "This place is huge, and I want to run faster, and I can't." Yeah, because if you want to explore, you know, you realize you got to walk off the path of where you want to go, and it's like you just—it it makes you even think, like, "Was it even worth it?" If it's going to take me a minute to walk all the way over there at this pace and come all the way back, you know, like I wanted to run, and I kept. I kept trying to use the bumpers and trying to use the buttons and clicking in the sticks. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure they are aware of that. Like if I'm sitting there trying to find it, I'm sure their play testers were like, you know, um, so they control that. But on the um, on the main narrative, which is the, the improvements, I think actually matter. Um, there's one plot twist, which we won't spoil, mm-hmm. um, that gets used against a character or could, could be used against a character, I guess is the same letter. Um didn't work well for me because of choices I already made. It just didn't work. And when I say didn't work well, I'm, I'm, I should be more harsh. Didn't work at all. Like it was kind of dumb. <laughs> the fact that it happened to me, I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I don't care about this. Like it was almost thing. like it was written for one choice, but not the other. Exactly. And to have it come back up later, just didn't make any sense. It really felt like there should be something else there. And uh, that's the only moment that I had that felt like that, that took me out of it. That definitely took me out of it. You know, I was just like, oh, okay, well, that odd. I'll just press A, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so that was one. Um, I think the other one that I actually think mattered to me more, actually, was another character who has a substance abuse issue. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that they do to set that up. You, you get introduced to it almost as soon as you meet the person. Um, yeah, like it's very obvious right away. It's very it's obvious. obvious. It's extremely right. obvious. But then later in the game, they – they really go out of their way to make that point again. And in a, in a weird way, um, yeah. honestly, it's just awkward. Awkward is the better way. Awkward. So awkward way to make that point. It didn't make sense for the scene that was happening. It didn't make sense for the pace that was happening. I was trying to think of 
better ways to improve it. Like maybe if you had seen it as you were leaving or like through a window or something, but like what happened, what transpired in that scene in a minute's time made zero narrative sense to me. I was like, well, this is weird. And that really took me out of it. And that's the one scene that I would attribute to being like scenes that I've seen in life is strange before where they really, really hit you over the head with something to make you know it, you know, they go out of their way to point it out to you. And I don't like that. Um, I don't think narrative games should do that. I understand as a plot device, you'd want to make sure that there's no confusion. You want to be very black and white and literal with your player or reader or viewer, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in a game like this, where so much of it is kind of, about nuance and detail and context and perspective, I think you lose all of that. And it just doesn't feel like, you know, I'd almost want to be led to it. Like, let me find it. Let me figure that out. Um, and I'll appreciate it more than you just blatantly going out of your way to prove it in, in honestly, in an unrealistic manner. That's the problem. Is yeah. it's, it's just not realistic. And I, I will say that because I, I know the, the specific character you're talking about. And I also, had that on my list of, of uh, story comments uh, that I, that didn't really jive with me either. I think it probably would have been different if it wasn't so obvious from the beginning, if maybe you learned like little, little bits and crumbs sure. as you yeah, kind of, explore of the environment, and then it built to that reveal. In which case, yeah, then I think it probably wouldn't have felt as forced in the moment, but I think because you and I both spotted it pretty much as soon as it happened and it was blatantly obvious from the very first moment you meet this character that I think that's kind of what didn't do it for me or why it, uh, why it kind of annoyed me when they did that. Uh, like it made it feel just so heavy handed when it did happen. Like, yes, I get it. <laughs> I get it. You don't need to tell me this. I already know this. Like why? Like, and I know it's a big deal, but you don't need to, you know, keep hammering this home. I've already, I've already figured this out. And yep. uh, I think that was the biggest problem with that. Whereas I think, I think if they handled it just a bit differently, it probably actually would have worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just in the so one of the things about these sort of games that I think people that don't like them have with them is that, you know, they're not like in a lot of ways, they're not a game, right? It's like an interactive mm-hmm. story. They're not right. like games. So like at moments, like with these puzzles and things like the gameplay can feel mundane or or slow or i don't want to say boring because i've never felt bored with them but i could see how mm-hmm. some people might feel bored if they're not constantly being active and things like that right. um so that was my other thing that i wanted to bring up was you know like how much do you grade a game like this solely based on the story or do you loop in some of the gameplay because there are times in this game too where i felt a little bit like that and it was just like okay come on like let's move forward here um so I want to just bring up an idea. I don't necessarily think it's a con for the game, but I'm wondering if Dilt Not ever could get to the point where the game, um, you know, traversal and its its world that they do such a good job of kind of cur- curating played more part of the game and like having, um, you know, a open world for a term, but having like an open area and the means to like drive around, move around, you know, explore, like- visit having more stuff in it to do. It's not so directly linear and just focused on, you know, Oh, that icon has a bullet over it. Let's go read it. You know, if they had a few more things to do besides reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I wonder almost if it might work better if the area of Dallas crossing was almost like the Citadel and mass effect. Yeah. 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 
or where even you might do like fast travel between areas, but you can kind of explore at your own pace and kind of go to whatever areas you want to go to, or even something like Persona 5, which is more of an open world experience, but it you're basically, it's just a bunch of smaller areas kind of gated together. Yep. Like I, thought that, I think maybe that's the type of thing that maybe um, they might want to explore with a future game. Cause, and I would love to see them try something like that because um, that's something actually I always kind of wanted Telltale to do. But mm-hmm. they never did with any of their games because their their games also follow follow the same type of formula and um, or at least giving us more than just uh, more agency over the environments we go visit. Like we don't have to like what if I don't want to go straight to the convenience store from the house? Maybe I want to go explore like the cemetery or go. And to, that's what like, I was thinking more in that regard, where it's not so much changing the gameplay. Although I think it would be cool to add a few more things in there. Like you know, I don't want to add a, like a jump button per se, but if you could add a couple things that you could do besides read and puzzle. Um, mm. But I was thinking like. Would the game be better or worse if instead of them leading you along the path, if you had to discover the path for yourself and you mm-hmm. were just going randomly to these places and f- putting the pieces together at your own pace? I wonder mm-hmm. if more people would like or not like that. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just. I think if it was like that, it would be more approachable, but it might in practice be more frustrating because um, sometimes you might go, you you might struggle to pick up, pick up on all the little clues to figure out where to go next. And you don't want the cutscene without the context. Like you don't want to get to the cutscene before you should, because then it yeah. doesn't mean what it's supposed to. That was the problem with a game like Fallout 3, for example, where you could explore the capital wasteland, but you could discover your father before like, but like sections, entire sections before the entire story was supposed to catch up. Yep. So it's like stuff like that, for example, I think um, is, is what you'd have to look out for with, that type of experience but i would still love to see them try and tackle something like that and i think they they definitely could make it work um and i think that it would probably actually bring more people into it um especially because most of my nitpicks with this game are actually not with the narrative itself um but with mostly with the gameplay and um as someone who traditionally always factors gameplay is probably the thing that i'm looking for the most when i'm looking at video games um i do love the the overall narrative in this game but i do wish there was more complexity to the gameplay or more to it i do think that the the puzzles themselves were a step in the right direction um but i do i I am almost craving um like um a more more of a transition closer to even something like i don't know like something not something like naughty dog does where it doesn't have to but it doesn't have to be obviously as like like this adventure i was thinking like kind of like detroit Oh, that's a good example as well. Yeah. Like something like that even. Like that's that's maybe more the direction I, I was hoping they would make. It maybe just feels like Detroit had just a little bit more agency and control over the character and gameplay than it's just a little bit more. You know, it's just, it's just like if you could just get 10% more things to do. Uh, yeah. But they're very similar. Exactly. And and plus it doesn't punish you for going off the beaten path in that game, which I thought that that, that would be nice to have in something like this. But it, but other little, little like, picky things, for example, like with the memories, for example, you have to get the cursor on this like sweet spot of like finding exactly where to interact with the memories, yeah. especially with them kind of being like this translucent uh, look to them. Um, sometimes they were hard to see or hard to spot. And even then it was like, I was like fumbling with the right analog stick to try and figure exactly where to put my like aim the camera and the cursor to interact with it. So again, it's just little nitpicks like that. That, that happens. Move. That happens in the open world too. I, I remember walking through the house and I saw one of the, you know, one of the dots on a picture frame. So I <laughs> walked up to the picture frame, but then the dot disappeared. And what it was is I had to activate the dot, the the dot, but I had to be a certain like 
two feet away from it. So I actually had to back up to then read it. And it's just like, Oh, come on guys. Yeah, exactly. It's just little interface stuff like that. That again, has always kind of been a problem in in other don't nod games. Yeah. And um, I only noticed it more, I think um, in this game, because um, you are, it it is more of an intimate experience. Whereas I didn't notice it as much in, in life is strange for, for whatever reason in, in hindsight. Um, Also the other thing I will say that might um, turn off a, some people is because Dallas crossing is a smaller location. You're revisiting a lot of the same locations in this game. Um, cause there are only so many places you can go in this like hundred, uh, person population town. It's definitely not like the journey that life right. is strange has typically been. Yeah. You're, you're kind of, it's very, very closed. Yeah. Like you go, you visit the convenience store for like three times in this game and you're, uh, and you, and what I like though, is that each time you visit it, it opens like a new section of the environment for you to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like that. They, even though they had to revisit the same locations, it didn't feel the same every time, but at the same time, I can imagine some people um, becoming frustrated with that. Especially I think that's part of why chapter two lulls a bit because a lot of chapter two, you're visiting the same places you did in chapter one which which you just played so um it's a little i think for me anyways it'll be a little bit more fresh which is i think what kind of bogged down chapter two from a gameplay perspective is that you're visiting a lot of the same places um but again i think that there's a reason they're doing that in the context of the narrative and that's why i'm a little more forgiving than if it was it let's say arcadia bay and the only three places you visited were the school the junkyard and chloe's house right so um, I think that it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different animal this time around. Plus, since it is only three chapters as opposed to five as well, um, it, it, if they did this over five chapters, then I might have more of a problem with it as well. But because it is only three chapters and it's a shorter experience, um, it didn't bug me as much as, as it probably would have otherwise. So let's move on to final thoughts, Donnie. Um, so there's two questions I'm going to ask you. And I typically always ask this every time we do an episode of the extra mile. The first question is, who would you recommend picking this up to uh, up and would you um, recommend doing so? And number two, if someone to pick this up that didn't have Game Pass, would you still recommend it? Hmm. Since this is not Game Pass, I always feel it's important to ask that question because not everyone wants to pay $15 a month for Game Pass. Sure. Uh, 50 Canadian, of course. Um, so what do you think about this, Donnie? Yeah, I, I think if you have Game Pass, it's definitely worth trying, right? If you already have Game Pass, go ahead and play it. It's a great game. It's one of the better games that I think I've played on Game Pass this year. So um, mm-hmm. I'll put that one to bed. Uh, I think if you've ever liked a Telltale, a Detroit, or a Life is Strange game, then this is right down your alley. You know what you're going to like here. If you haven't, this might not be for you. So it would be hard to recommend for that person. But again, if you have Game Pass, give it a try. Um, yeah. Game Pass, you can get Game Pass on console for 10 bucks a month. You can get Game Pass Ultimate for $15 a month. So I would never tell anybody to go out of their way to buy it. Um, mm-hmm. Although I will. I will definitely buy it. I buy I've bought the Life of Strange games here on Game Pass too. So I'm definitely going to buy it again just to add it to my permanent library. Just to throw in the discussion as well, the price of the game, I think it's like $30 US and then yeah. $40 Canadian. Yep. So it is it's not a super cheap game but it's also not a, a 60 dollar game either yep. it's kind of in, in a sweet spot i think yep i think it's i think it's priced appropriately and uh yeah i mean you can play the whole thing in a, in a day or two for 10 bucks and you have the rest of the month to to check out ori or wasteland or like anything else so yeah pick up a month of game pass and, and give it a try if you're on the fence especially in this month in particular August, because like there's no shortage of games that have come to Game Pass this month, like the brand new games like Wasteland just came out this week and Battletoads and a bunch mm-hmm. of other. So 
yeah, like there's no better time to be a Game Pass subscriber. So I'm with you. I think this is a no brainer for Game Pass. If you've got Game Pass and you like narrative based games at all, I think you should at least try it. I mean, yeah. obviously, if if um, you are more invested in, in the gameplay side, then obviously this might not be the game that that's for you. But I do think that if you have Game Pass, it's there. You may as well try it, right? And you might. Who knows? Uh, it's one of those things where there are um, obviously going to be games that are going to be gateways into this style of game. For me, it was Telltale is the Walking Dead season one. Um, but th- tell me why it might be yours. Um, like it, for example, I'll throw it out there. Like I used to hate visual novels until I played Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc for the very first time. And now I love visual novels, but it, it took one game for me to kind of decide one day that I wanted to try to, to get me into that genre. Um, and I think especially just when people look at it from the outset, they they might kind of write off this type of game um, before even trying it. So I will say, if you if you haven't tried a game like this before, then then definitely I think this is probably the game I would actually now recommend probably people start with because it is a, a smaller investment than something like Life is Strange, um, where in theory that's like eight episodes when you combine the two together. Like if you're going to invest yourself into it, you're going to want to play both Before the Storm and the original Life is Strange, and it's an example. Or even the Telltale games, I think, is even a bigger ask than this game. So yeah, I think that this is going to be the game that I recommend people try if they want to get into this type of game or want to see what this narrative genre is all about and see if it's for them. Um, And Game Pass is a great way to do that. Yep. Um, As far as if you don't have Game Pass, yeah, absolutely. I think it's still worth the $30, but um, you hit the nail on the head perfectly. This isn't going to change your mind. Um, but at the same time, if you are definitely this into this type of game, it's a must buy. I think uh, for anyone who's a fan of Don't Nod or Telltale or um, Quantic Dream Games or any of those similar style of games, I think this it's a it's a must play. I think for me, it's it's honestly one of the easiest games I've had to recommend in a long time. Like I just did the Battletoads review a week ago, and it's like it was hard. It was almost harder to recommend that game than this one. Like this this game just is like. Yeah, is the type of game where I'm going to tell my all my friends, I'm like, you guys got to play this. This game's great. So, And it does a really good job between chapters of kind of leaving you wanting to know more. So, yeah. and, and I, and I, I mean, having played all three, I definitely would tell everybody it gets good. Like it, the ending's worth it. It's worth sticking to and finding it. So even if you play the first one, you know, you play the first chapter and you're like, well, it, it gets, yeah, it, it's all going to kind of go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And there are some really interesting revelations in the first chapter that I think really keep you on the hook, like you said, yep. um, forward. So yeah, obviously for, for us, we both recommend it. So I, I think y'all should definitely check it out. But Donnie, that's going to do it for this discussion. But before we go, Donnie plugs go. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at eat the hype on Twitter on Xbox Live. You can uh, you know, subscribe to my Xbox podcast. We call it the Xbox Empire. You can put that into your uh, podcast player and find us. We're also on Twitch every Wednesday night around 9 at twitch.tv slash PSVG. Very nice, my friend. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. That's T-U-R-F-O-R-D. You also find the Pantsman himself, Sean Capri, on Twitter at Sean Capri. Um, also, if you're listening to this on the Xbox Empire feed, um, we're obviously the Xbox Drive. You can find us over on your podcast service of choice. Um, we're also on Twitter at the Xbox Drive. We post every Thursday just alongside the, the Xbox Empire as well. Um, and uh, we basically, myself, Sean Capri, talk about Xbox while Sean drives somewhere and I drive the show. It's a fun experience, so you should definitely check us out. So for Donnie Reese, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been the Tell Me Why Extra Mile Cross the Xbox Empire, and we out. Bye. Bye.